listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing, coming to you worldwide from MegaWin Kill Guard Studios. Welcome to the March 1st episode of Bass Edge Radio. Aaron, it's great to be back on the mic. Been 395 episodes. It's a good time, and, and I got to tell you, congratulations to the Chiefs. Well done, my friend. The, the team got the W in the Big Bowl. They did, and uh, it was an exciting game to watch for sure. So uh, being a former Rams fan of, of what happened when they moved from St. Louis back to L.A. and Stan Kroenke, don't even get me started on that. But, yes, happy to <laughs> see that for the, uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, while we're on that, Kurt, I actually was able to watch you kind of on the old uh, live stream. But before we get into that, as always, all things Bass Edge are brought to us by our great friends there at MegaWare Keel Guard. First, do it yourself, Keel Protector, the Battery Guard, the Skeg Protector. All those things can be found right there at KeelGuard.com. But yeah, Kurt, uh, it was very, very interesting and uh, proud of you, man, coming across that weigh-in stage. And of course, we're talking about the event out there on the West Coast. Yeah, the Toyota Series, Lake Havasu. Man, I had not been there since 2015. I was excited to get back out there for many reasons. One, to just kind of reconnect with some of our West Coast friends. Number two, jumping in that Toyota Series wild card division. Um, I'll be fishing the northern events later on this year. So I uh, wanted to grab another uh, tournament in another division to maybe qualify for the championship or give myself an opportunity to qualify through the wild card division too. But yeah, man, caught some fish. Yeah, it's you're off a to a good while. start. You know, when I was all done and I was actually talking with the folks at MegaWare, I was like, man, I'm, I'm just happy that I could actually validate this relationship because it's been a while since I had caught some fish. Man, I don't know. It's been like 18 months since I had a good event, you know, like a real good event. So having a top 10 out there and uh, it, it was cool because, you know, I know a lot of the guys from the West Coast just from fishing the U.S. Open, the the Juan Bass U.S. Open. You know, I fished it for about five straight years. And, and had a good event or two out there as well and uh, just to kind of reconnect with them. So I feel like there's kind of a, a vibe out there that us folks in Texas and Midwest, Missouri, it's a different place out there. Oh, yeah, man. yeah. It, it is so freaking cool. I love fishing out there. Culturally speaking, for sure. And then also, you know, just the fishing. But you've obviously the pattern that you were on worked uh, for multiple days and man, just Mr. Consistent. So can you talk briefly before we kind of move on of how you were able to put that together? Yeah, man. It, I tell you, my initial thought was, man, I'm going to the desert. It's going to be warm. Fish are going to be moving up. It's, you know, early February. And, and uh, you know, that was kind of my thought. But man, I launched the boat out there and water temps are 49 to 53. I mean, they were definitively wow, still in that. That's cold. Yeah, it was cold, man. They, they were definitively still in that late winter pattern. Fortunately, right out of the gate, like in the first morning or two, I got on a little deal where I found some fish shallow. And you know me, I love the fish shallow growing up on the Potomac. So I was able to kind of ride this, this shallow water pattern that was happening early in the morning. I was catching both smallmouth and largemouth. I ended up catching a lot more smallmouth in the tournament than I did largemouth, but had a couple real key largemouth bites. That first day, I had 19 pounds. So got started quick that first morning. And uh, like you said, man, it was just being able to be consistent. You didn't get a lot of bites throughout the day. It's, it's not like we were out there catching, you know, 10, 15, 20 fish a day, 
for me, I was averaging six to seven bites a day. So wow, it, uh, wow. really it took a, a mental focus as well then. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's kind of typical of cold water fishing. Unless you find them out deep, kind of grouped up, when you're fishing shallow, really I thought those smallmouth were kind of in that pre-spawn mode. They wanted to come up, and they were up close to spawning areas early in the morning. But as the day would progress, they would kind of move off. It would get slick, calm, and they would kind of move out a little bit. And it got tough for me every afternoon. But, uh, you know, like you say, I was just able to push through and and kind of, you know, key on five or six different areas and just kind of steady rotate those five. I would usually be able to rotate at least twice throughout the day and primary spots, which was two of those five or six areas were or what I would consider like primary or, or a higher percentage places to get bite. I would go through those areas three times in a day. But, uh, man, yes, excited to get the top 10, excited to kick off 2023 with a solid finish. And, man, I don't know what to say. Starting the year off, we'll probably get into this in the English spotlight, you know, with a couple of great guests that we have coming up. But it's so imperative to get off on the right foot. And um, you've done exactly that. We talk about that all the time. We talk about how that weighs on you mentally, right? The decisions that you make throughout the course of the day, getting that first fish in the boat, you know, all those things that Dr. J. McNamara, the psychology of exceptional fishing, you know, the book that we've talked about many, many times on here. So hats off to you. Congrats. And, and then just quickly, um, I want to say, I thought, I thought, I don't know if I saw this or you texted me, but did I remember this right? You bumped into Mark Lassane, our, our buddy there. And of course, I think there's a, a new spring issue that's coming out. There is. March 15th drops. So uh, make sure everybody takes a peek at that. They've got a great issue coming on there. Talk a little bit about, you know, highlighting the pre-spawn and spring fishing patterns. You know, they talk about why red is so important this time of year. And then, of course, they have their slate of awesome anglers, uh, James Watson, Cliff Crochet, Terry Scroggins, and many others part of the program. Mark Menendez, even Fred Rambanis, our last uh, featured angler here on Bass Edge Radio, has a uh, little swim bait article in, in there as well. So make sure you check that out. BassAnglerMag.com. Mark Lassane does a great job. I saw him the first morning of the tournament, and he's like, Kurt? Is that you? And I was like, hey, what's up, Mark? Yeah, man, what's going on? He's like, that's great. did you get lost? Did you take a wrong turn? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, route of Albuquerque. So, yeah, yeah no, that's great. Well, uh, speaking of great anglers, you've got another fantastic show lined up. Before we get to the angler spotlight, we've got a new showcase. Yeah, let's hit that up. Y'all stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break, but then we're going to come back with our showcase segment right here on Bass Edge Radio. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. Aaron, ready to dive into this awesome showcase segment. We're going to have an up-to-date take on how to be effective from the back of the boat man so many listeners you know fish on the co-angler side so many listeners fish on the pro side we've got a rare chance to hear 
from both ends of the boat right here. We got Bass Opens and Toyota Pro Anger. Kyle Gellis joins us as he comes off a top three finish as a co-angler at the Lake Gunnersville Toyota Series event. Kyle, great to have you back on Bass Edge, my man. Yeah, it's been a while, so I'm glad to be hanging out with you guys here on Bass Edge again. We're glad to have you, Kyle, and uh, as you mentioned, you have been on here before, long-term friend of the project, and also long-term friend of our partner, MegaWare Keelguard. Kyle, you know, Kurt kind of alluded to it, I guess, if you will. You're having kind of this identity crisis of figuring out your personality of which end of the boat you want to be at, but in all seriousness, I am actually really looking forward to kind of diving off into that topic that Kurt had mentioned, just because it, it is a rare perspective of someone that can perform at the levels that you have from the front of the boat and also the back of the boat. But you're you're running a full-time schedule for the last three years on the road fishing. Do I have that correct? Yes. Yep. Past three years, I've been doing this full-time and been fishing about 18 to 24 events, just depending on the year. So can you kind of uh, dive off into, I guess, the participation on both the front and, you know, the back end of the boat? Yeah. Ultimately, my decision to whether or not the fish from the front or the back comes down to a, a few different things. The first is, you know, what's my goal for the year as an angler? Secondly, you know, how much money do I have to invest in my season? And then how can I learn as much as I possibly can throughout a year, you know, traveling full-time and, and fishing? And so going back to the first one, you know, my goals for every year are essentially to focus on one tour. Um, past few years, it's been the pro circuit. This year, it's going to be all nine Bassmaster Opens. So essentially, that's my focus of the season is that one tour. And I'll go ahead and slap that up there on a schedule, scheduling my travel days, my practice days, all that type of stuff. And then I will start building a schedule around that. And then you know, essentially one of my other goals is to always make the Toyota Series Championship as a boater. So I'll look at that first tour and then I'll go ahead and schedule in, you know, a full Toyota Series as a boater to give me that opportunity to make the championship. And then after that, it just comes down to, you know, how much money do I have left over and how can I use that money to learn as much as I possibly can about different bodies of water, you know, different fishing styles, you know, just everything that comes with travel and fishing, you know, how can I learn as much as I possibly can with the resources that I have? And so that's kind of how I go about deciding whether or not I fish an event as a boater or co-angler is, you know, based around those three things. The coolest part about that, in, in my opinion, after hearing that process that you go through, is that so many times you, you talk to pro anglers, you know, you being a pro angler, talking to many friends that I have out there, uh, you know, also, you don't see someone take advantage of this kind of time in between. And since you're on the road full time, jumping in some of these other events, like you say, to learn well, number one, about the fisheries, just spend more time fishing, but then do it in a way that you can not necessarily, it's not like you're out there trying to learn other people's spots. You're just, you're just trying to learn the lake, see what they offer, see what they're about. But then at the same time, how does this person make adjustments or, or what is their approach and how it would be different than mine? And then you can kind of, you know, soak all of that information up like a sponge to just create the perfect Kyle. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's it's uh, getting all that information and all those touch points to create your best presentation as a professional angler. And, and I think so many times pros don't look at that. 
potential or don't have the ability. And, and one, I guess, is because you're just out on the road the whole time because you're so dedicated to it. Yeah, being from the West Coast, you know, it's a long way to get back to home. So I figure instead of spending all my time flying or all my time traveling back and forth, you know, I have this opportunity to be out here to, you know, fish these lakes that have only ever read about or watched on TV, you know, <laughs> right. so I'm going to take the opportunity while I can. And, and like you said, it's not to be a vulture and not to, you know, post people's spots. And in fact, very rarely have I gone back to areas that, you know, I have fished with guys that I've drawn in tournaments, but right. like you said, it, it, it's to learn as much as I possibly can, as fast as I can to become a better angler. Cause essentially at the end of the day, I want to do this full time for the rest of my life. I love it. I love fishing tournaments. And, you know, this is the fastest way for me to get past the learning curve that it takes to, you know, fish out here and fish all these different bodies of water. We've seen some guys do this. Scott Martin uh, fished co-angler for a couple of years in the FLW Tour. Justin Lucas. You know, you could go through Stetson Blaylock. Some of the top anglers in the sport right now kind of had this, I don't want to say similar approach because you're able to do it from the front and the back, but they just started in the back of the boat. So it's it's not like, you know, I say Kyle's reinventing the wheel from a learning perspective, but definitively, I feel like one of the few guys taking advantage of being in both the front and the back. Let's talk about how, since you recently had that, you know, second place finish on Lake Gunnersville from, you know, the co-angler side, you haven't started the Bass Open season yet. That's going to get going here very shortly but let, let's dive into that how do you stay effective as a co-angler in the back of the boat and and be as successful as you are you won a toyota series event too i want to mention to all the listeners in 2021 as a co-angler at lake champlain so it's in your first kind of you know success in this realm so yeah you know i've been fortunate in the past couple of years to you know do pretty well you know, as a co-angler and essentially to be effective, I feel like as a co-angler, it comes down to, you know, your focus. Essentially as a co-angler, you know, versus being a boater, the only thing you have to focus on in a day is catching a bass. And so that's what's nice about it to me is I don't have to make decisions on where to go. I don't have to worry about how much time it takes to get back. I don't have to worry about all these things that a boater normally worries about during a tournament. All I'm focused on is catching a bass and fishing what is in front of you and so to be effective as a co-angler a lot of times i have learned that fishing a different style than your boater is the most effective way to go like this lake gunnersville event for example my day one guy was fishing docks and i love to fish docks so i was instantly drawn to you know flipping a jig a wacky worm and you know you're just your typical dock offerings and I quickly learned in like the first hour that the conditions weren't ideal for fishing docks because we had a cold and overcast and all that type of stuff in this event. But I was like, well, let's try something different. And so I started fishing out the outside of the boat, fishing the outside grass line with a, you know, moving baits and, you know, ended up picking up a few fish. So I think to stay effective as a co-angler, you got to keep an open mind and just focus on trying to catch a bass. And I think the rest will come after that. Kyle, you, you, you mentioned, you know, focusing on something different than the individual in the front of the boat when you're in the back of the boat. Let me flip that because when you are uh, trying to get a different angle, present a different bait, hit a different spot per se, what are the things that has really kind of uh, transitioned to you and an improvement of your skill set 
when you are fishing from the front of the boat. Any Anything come to mind on that perspective? Yeah, one of the biggest things for me that I've learned the past couple of years doing it is angles, right? Um, when you fish as a co-angler, you have the opportunity to fish, say, a bank or a laydown or a dock from an angle that the boater would have to completely do a 180 or 360 and turn around and, and fish in reverse, right? And so I've learned that by fishing behind guys at that different angle that you can still trigger bites. And I've taken that with me to the front of the boat as well. You know, when I'm fishing in some of these bigger events, if I'm fishing, you know, an isolated piece of cover, I've learned that, you know, you can't just hit it from one angle and expect the fish to come to you. Sometimes you got to trigger them from different angles and, you know, maybe use a different bait or whatever the case may be to trigger those fish. And so I think that's the biggest thing that I've taken away from being in the back of the boat is there's always another way to catch fish whether it's a better way or not i don't know but essentially there is another way to get a bite yeah you, sometimes we get pigeonholed and just think well you got to throw a chatterbait or, or whatever but then all of a sudden right. make a throw a couple throws with a spinnerbait or you make a couple throws with a with a plastic bait and all of a sudden results change not not necessarily that the chatterbait didn't work but man these other other techniques are, are are still viable which is which is interesting yeah. man what are important lessons on being successful on both sides of the boat that you can share with the listeners. Let, let's start first on the co-angler side. I know we just talked about angles and, and uh, bait selection, but let's start on the co-angler side. If there's that one deal that you feel like will takes Kyle to the successful angler that he is on the co-angler, and then let's deal with the pro side perspective. And one thing that you feel like is most important, be successful on, on that side of the boat. Yeah. I think on the co-angler side, the biggest thing for me is just focus on catching a fish and keep it simple. You know, every tournament, whether I'm a boater or a co-angler, I see these co-anglers that show up with like 37 rods and a, <laughs> yeah. you know, tub, tub full of tackle. <laughs> and, you know, I've had guys in my boat, you know, bring that much and it doesn't bother me none. In fact, I like it when I see it as a boater because I know that they're going to spend more time untangling the rod, you know, going through tackle, all that type of stuff than they would actually fish, you know. And so for me as a co-angler, I've learned just to keep it simple. There are baits that work everywhere you go. You know, I'm fortunate. I do practice for these events, so I get to see a little bit of what's going on on lake. So I have a little bit of idea of what's going on. But, you know, essentially you can pack a Plano 3700 box full of a few baits and you may not have the perfect bait for that scenario, but chances are you got something in there that you can get five bites on. And that's what you're going for as a co-angler is to get you five keeper bites because at the end of the day, if you do that day in and day out, you're probably going to do well. So I would say that's the biggest lesson I could advise to other co-anglers is don't overthink it. Keep it simple. Bring your confidence baits. Bring those baits that are going to work best in you know most situations and you know just focus on those yeah good stuff there and you know when i look back kyle just kind of add this and i I think all of us can relate to this you are such a spokesman for being able to transition from the back to the front and yet you're doing it at a high level from both ends which is again just to reiterate what kurt opened up with that's not easy to do at one spot, let alone two spots in the in the same year. So again, congratulations. Really want to just kind of thank you for carving out time to share with us here on Bass Edge Nation and kind of a valuable perspective that everybody can take something from. Before we close down, any, any thoughts or closing comments? I think that's all I got. You know, um, I appreciate you guys having me on. If you want to follow more about my season, you can follow me on my social media channels, you know, Instagram, Facebook, 
at Kyle Gills Fishing or, you know, new this year on the Megaware website, I have a new blog series coming out. And I actually, I don't know if I'm a good writer, but I'm a better writer than I am a talker. So, you know, <laughs> there a, a lot of this perspective of just life on the road, fishing, you know, everything that entails this whole journey, you know, I'm going to put that into this blog and, and share it with you all. So if you're interested in, you know, reading a little bit more about it or learning more about fishing in general, go check out that blog too. So I think you'll like it. Kyle, that's great stuff, man. We will definitely be reading up on that. And, and you can find that at megawarekeelguard.com. Is that correct? Yeah. Outstanding. Well, hey, man, best of luck on your next event. I, I think you're going to Ufala uh, for your first Bass Open of the year. So, uh, man, catch him up down there. We'll be watching you. Kyle will be hitting it on the on the front of the boat. He's in the, the Elite Series qualifying bracket, fishing all nine Bass Opens this year. So a lot to watch from uh, Kyle's social media channels. You guys stay tuned. We're going to be right back with our feature angler spotlight this is mls pro circuit angler nick hatfield this is mls pro circuit angler matt becker i am 2022 bass elite series champion drew cook i am bass elite series pro brian new this is hill country hammer guide rick harris stand by for more bass ed radio of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. We have a fast edge rookie as the featured angler on this episode, but he is certainly no rookie on the water fishing the MLF Pro Circuit since, man, back in the FLW Tour days, 2016 he started there, and now a newly crowned champion of the first ever MLF Invitationals. Welcome to the show, MLF Pro Angler, Josh Weather. Josh, excited to have you on Bass Edge. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, Josh, uh, again, just to echo what Kurt said, uh, we're glad to have you, and certainly it means you are doing something right. And I'm assuming your bank account appreciates that as well. But, you know, congratulations on your win there at the Big O last month. It seems Okeechobee has been really kind to you the last several times in the, in the past with multiple top tens. I guess any thoughts about kind of your dominance there and specifically this event? Well, you know, Okeechobee just fits my style of fishing. I, I I grew up fishing Lake Seminole. I'm about an hour and a half, two hours from Lake Seminole. So I grew up fishing there pretty much my entire life. And uh, just for the simple fact of it's a shallow water grass fishery, it kind of resembles Okeechobee in that sense that you can throw a lot of the same bait. And I kind of pride myself in being a, a shallow water power fisherman. So whenever I go down there, you know, a lot of people get tied up in the throwing the Cinco's and slowing down and stuff like that. And uh, I, I've been one this 
wants to stick to my guns and stick to what I love to do. And, you know, as well as I, you don't get many tournaments in a year that you get to fish your strength. And whenever mm-hmm. you can fish your strength, you obviously want to because you feel like you got your best shot at winning. And that's just really what I've stuck to down there. I've stuck to my guns and it's helped me out a lot, but it's burned me a couple of times too. You know, I've had a lot of top tens down there. I think this makes either number four or number five since 2016. But I've also had my last two tournaments down there before this one. Um, you know, I didn't even cut a check. So it's either kind of feast or famine for me. It's been feast a lot of times. So the last two times it was famine. So I was like, man, I got to I gotta write this ship. Okeechobee's got to <laughs> be, be getting back right to me. And, uh, man, was she. It was just a great week. It was a perfect storm. And uh, I, I couldn't be more blessed. That, that's awesome to hear. You know, Florida's one of those crazy places where it is that roller coaster ride. And you can be so close yet so far a lot of times down there. But when you hit on it and like you mentioned, you're doing something that you love to do, something you grew up doing. And it kind of, you know, reaches back to your childhood days when you were learning how to bass fish. It really helps a whole lot. Gives you that confidence to, like you say, stick to your guns, man. You come so close to winning so many times, Josh, man, 11 top tens, you know, before you got this victory. Do you feel that there was a process, you know, a growth or just a strategic that led you to be able to end up on top finally break that down for us what do you feel like kind of put you over the top well i definitely think whenever it's your time to win uh i I didn't really i was beginning not to believe that it was ever going to be my time to win because i had come so close so many times um and when they they say whenever it's your time to win you know you can't stop it from happening and that was just the case this past week you know i've come close so many times and i thought it was my time to win so many times you know, at Okeechobee in 2017, I believe, in a Toyota series, I weighed in almost 33 pounds the second day and rocketed to the lead. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to have a cold front hit the final day and, and ended up finishing second. So, you know, I really think it's been two things. It's been, you know, me growing as an angler and learning. I always say if I knew what I knew now, what I knew when I started, I probably would have already won one. Right. Uh, but it's been a few things, you know, it, it's crazy how I look back now at when I was young and they put a camera in my boat and I'd get all nervous and, you know, fish a little faster than I would normally have. And, you know, definitely that affects you. So, you know, this week, whenever they put a camera in my boat in recent years, you know, I, I don't get worked up as much as I used to. It's just another person in the boat. And, you know, me, I love having camera guys in the boat. You know, we get to crack up and, and talk about each other and just where each other have come from from I, I just enjoy people you know i'm a people person i love talking to people so i've really got the fact that a, a camera guy out of my head and it's just another guy that's sitting there cheering me on that was really the biggest thing i feel like i feel like the cameras for some reason intimidate a lot of anglers and uh change the way they fish so as far as my fishing skills go definitely i mean obviously you fish seven years on the pro tour you're gonna learn a lot of stuff throughout those years so definitely just learning but i promise you whenever i started i could sling a chatterbait just as good as i was slinging it the other day (laughs) it was one of those things that was just meant to be um and and you couldn't make it not happen 
oftentimes in Florida, you get around a lot of other anglers when you get in an area that have an excellent concentration of fish, or like they say, you know, you hear so often down in Florida, you know, the fish are coming in these late winter, early springtime tournaments there. Were you in an area that had a lot of other competitors in it that you had to, uh, you know, kind of fend off a little bit, or, or did you have something going on your own out there? Pretty much always at Okeechobee, you're going to be around some other anglers right. if you're around any fish. Um, right, yeah, so I, I was around a few anglers, but this week it was more dealing with the locals. Um, there was a lot of local pressure out there and a lot of shiner people and a lot of just guys out fun fishing. Um, during practice, you know, we'd come off of a uh, the first day of practice. The wind blew like 25 to 30, and it was somewhat of a cold front. And uh, and then day two of practice, it rained all day, so two miserable days. And then day three of practice was the first warm day, and it was pretty warm. Our off day was really pretty warm. And then going into the first day of tournament, you know, we had two warming days followed by I'm going to say a Florida cold front, which normally in Florida, you know, those fish love a cold front to get them to start pushing up to spawn. And so just knowing that in the back of my head, you know, I had a terrible practice, but just knowing that the females could be pulling up at any time, you know, kind of left me with an open mind after my practice, which was a good Mm -hmm. thing. And so just, you know, hitting a few different spots here and there until I ran into them. And I think I really kind of figured them out on, on, the end of the first day when I ended up losing a couple fish. I lost two three to four pounders and one one really big one that I never could even hardly turn. If I could have landed them, I would have been steering the ship the right way after the first day instead of having to wait till day two. But yeah, obviously I was around a couple guys. One one of my good buddies that I travel with, Nick Hatfield, was in the same area. Ron Nelson and then a, a couple other guys were in there. They were catching, you know, 15 to 20 pounds. They were fishing, punching and throwing frogs and stuff inside of me. And I was just fishing where the fish were kind of like coming through a highway. You know, they were coming, they were coming back in there to get in that stuff. You know, they Mm -hmm. were, I feel like they were catching maybe the bigger bucks that were prepping for the females to come. And I was just intercepting some of the females. Interesting. It was, it was like a big, you know, they were fishing the actual pads and stuff like that. And I was fishing around them and on the edges and down the, you know, drains and stuff like that, down the little trails. And I really feel like that was where the females were set up, you know, and, and we saw this past week, Brandon Cobb down there and he was actually in the same exact area where I caught him, which is kind of funny, but he was catching them in the pads and, you know, around where they were actually were spawning. So, you know, the fish were coming to that area for sure. And it was just one of those things where you had to figure out if, if they were around the pads yet and spawning or if they were still coming. Yeah, Josh, you know, you spoke about having a uh, camera person in, in your boat. And first off, I will say I could definitely see how that could, you know, get in your mind and, and kind of between the ears a little bit on that process but the fact that you have somebody wanting to film you is generally a good sign and then shows that you've probably been on fish throughout the course of the tournament or many tournaments and that's kind of been your history has been that consistency and that's very very important when it comes to the sport of bass fishing what do you kind of hang your hat on of being able to claim that consistency that's made you kind of uh, get to that championship in the past four years in a row yeah you know I, I really attend a lot of that consistency to Cody Meyer. I traveled with Cody for a long time and 
just learning from him you know i'm a power fisherman he can power fish but he's a stapled spotted bass finesse fisherman and uh with lawrence coming out with the forward facing sonar as well that you know help somebody who didn't really know much about reading graphs and stuff like that to learn how to finesse fish and learn how to back up and punt on these tournaments that you know that aren't in your wheelhouse and that you you know you might not have the best shot at winning where you just need to learn quickly throughout practice and or the tournament like okay i just need to back up and punt and we're going from you know trying to win this one to try to get a check and get the point yeah yeah so i learned that shoot four or five years ago and you know obviously i've had a couple bad tournaments in there but it's really been a good thing and one thing that i I like to try to do is that helps me is i find my pattern that i really want to fish in the tournament that i think you know has a has a good shot at doing well and then i find a way that i can catch five fish no matter what so i fish better whenever i have five fish in the boat i fish slower i fish more precise i don't miss as much stuff so my biggest thing is i try to get five fish in the boat as quick as i can and then go do my other stuff obviously some tournaments you're not going to be able to do that in but if i can i that's been my biggest thing to try to go ahead and get five in the boat once you get five in the boat you fish a lot slower you're or for me i'm a lot calmer and uh i just fish more precise and turn you know you're going to fish better in my mind whenever whenever that happens that's a great perspective and and cool that you're able to identify what suits your strength obviously everybody has you know maybe hackney does something a little bit different than than josh weaver but you've been able to identify what works for you and and that's probably the most important thing because just every everybody's different you know everybody takes things differently so that's cool how how you broke that down and and really understood what helps you to fish more effectively and ultimately be consistent and catch better fish to finish high in the standings and make those championships man when you're breaking down these patterns let's let's talk about patterns that are coming up here in in the month of march you know kind of that pre-spawn cycle you know the tournament scene now is going to move from florida more into the you know middle of the southeast for like going to clark's hill then you got lake ufala over in oklahoma man i thought it was interesting you said on stage even though you're from macon i believe right you're you're out of macon georgia that uh you hadn't fished clark's hill a whole lot and hadn't or or maybe one time i think you said back in your college days but um man how are you break down this pre-spawn cycle that we're moving into specifically one on a lake like clark's hill it's a blueback fishery and then what will be like a different approach if you would approach something differently when you go to a place like Ufala and start you know looking in that that pre-spawn cycle obviously these styles of fisheries completely different and also a lot different than Florida or Lake Seminole yeah you know I mean so the beauty of this whole year our invitational schedule honestly is whenever it first came out I looked at the schedule and said wow this is a shallow water fisherman schedule I mean you can fish the whole year on the bank if you want to and have the shot at winning or doing well in every tournament and you know a lot of my top tens of my career have come in the first few tournaments of the year just because 
it's been pre-spawn to you know spawn type deal and i think that's just because the pre-spawn fish are a lot more aggressive and i could power fish for them you know line you know throw a crankbait chatterbait spinnerbait you know just cover a lot more ground and uh so that's how i'm planning on breaking down clark's hill and uh eufaula you know um obviously you know we're at It'll be good at Clark's Hill. You know, it is a blueback lake now, and it has a lot of spots in it. So you'll mm-hmm. be able to find an area that you could, you know, probably find some fish out deep still, some spots where you can go catch a limit pretty quick. Right, um, right. And then my, my game plan for there is probably going to be, you know, running up either one of the rivers and uh, trying to find some big largemouth. I really think, you know, in recent years, they say that the spots have become real healthy over there. And, and you know, you can weigh 15, 16, 17. 10 pounds of spots this time of year with them being wow. fat and healthy but uh you know i'm really going to key in on the largemouth just because that's you know i i can fish how i want to there you know like i said a minute ago you don't get fish many tournaments how you your strength and so i'm going to fish my strengths there um obviously if i go throughout practice and my strengths aren't working then i'll have to back up and punt and uh go do the spotted bass deal you know out off the points and all that stuff with right. just our active targeting but uh yeah as far as that goes the pre-spawn largemouth on clark's hill you know i think we're going to be timing it just right we're coming off of a little bit colder weather and for the next few weeks leading up to the tournament it's going to be it's going to be kind of a warming trend you know 60s or 70s so it's going to get that water warming up you know we've got a lot of rain too so the rivers are going to be muddier which in turn heats them up quicker um and i want them to be muddy because being from south georgia i fish mud all the time (laughs) and i know all these boys that are coming down from all these other places they're going to be like "Ooh, mud i ain't going in that so right um so i'm i'm excited to get over there and see how that place fishes uh as far as ufaula goes man i've been studying i was actually watching a couple youtube videos last night i still really haven't figured that one out as much i'm gonna i'll do more studying after uh clark's hill sure um and, and try to narrow it down a little bit you know i think we'll be following that one pretty similar to how uh, clark's hill is going to be fishing just because it'll be a month later but it's so far west uh, i really think we're going to be hitting that one um either spawn or, or heavy pre-spawn just like we're going to be hitting clark's hill so you know i really feel like those two lakes will be fishing really similar from what i understand uh you fall is a big crankbait lake too so i don't know like i said don't know anything about you but the fact that you know we're going to be hitting it that time of year and you can cover a lot of water to try to find fish power fishing i'm excited about that one too yeah um, so i can i can hear the confidence flowing aaron you, you yeah. picking that up <laughs> oh yeah yeah i mean it's it's very exciting josh to hear kind of where this is going and you know the, the schedule i guess of how it sets up and i'm looking forward to kind of actually in the, on the back half here to being able to talk about some of the baits that you're going to use to kind of break this down and 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 put the fish in the boat that you're speaking of let's take a quick break guys we're going to get on the back half of this interview y'all stay tuned we got mlf invitational champion josh weaver breaking it down for us right here on this episode we're going to power pole down and return right after this short break patented in 2000 perfected over years of testing and real world punishment the power pole is the ultimate shallow water boat positioning tool swift PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to eight feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. 
Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge presented in part by Bass Pro Shops, returning with MLF Pro Angler Josh Weaver in this episode's Featured Angler Spotlight, brought to you in part by Bass Pro Shops, reminding you that we all live downstream. Josh, as mentioned, let's hear really kind of dive into a little bit of kind of those search baits that you tend to lean on in this pre-spawn time that you're really getting ready to kind of take off the launching pad. Why are they important in your approach and confidence, um, and, and how do they help you locate fish, you know, effectively? Well, really, you know, I'm a caster and winder by trade. I don't like fishing slow. So pretty much anything you can name that, that you can cast and wind, that's what they are. You know, obviously the pre-spawn baits are your normal lipless crankbaits, your chatterbaits, spinnerbaits, swim jig, you know, around grass and stuff like that. It's funny, I, I fish with my dad and my brother in a lot of tournaments, and, and they always are like, might as well not even be fishing anything behind you because uh, you're fishing so fast. You know, it take, my, my dad and brother know because they fish with me a lot, but whenever anybody else gets in the boat, they're like, holy cow, Like, what, what do I need to throw to keep up with you? Because I like to fish fast. I'm steady moving, got the trolling motor on five or six, and just constantly moving. And I just feel like, you know, it's, for me, I feel like the more cast I can make in a day, the better shot I have of catching five big ones. And pre-spawn techniques, you know, where, where those fish are so aggressive and, you know, throwing the chatterbaits and spinnerbaits and swim jigs and lipless baits, you know, you can fish those like that. So that's been my key in catching pre-spawn fish. And obviously Florida is a, is a staple state for the, the chatterbait, you know, your speed worms, your swim jigs, stuff like that. So, you know, I test my success down there to basically anytime you go down there, you can power fish and use those baits. And whereas like, you know, we're going to Clark's Hill, you know, if we went there later in the year, probably wouldn't be able to use those as much. But since we are going pre-spawn on those big large are going to be so aggressive hopefully it's lining up to be another perfect storm because right. I'm, I'm excited to be able to have you know nothing but moving baits on the deck and go out there and and make as many casts as i can and cover as much water as i can in, in an eight-hour tournament period and see if i can't land on five big ones so kind of a quick follow-up on that you know you're ultra focused on that power fishing the moving baits covering water quickly and, and then you know in the first half of the interview we talked about your consistency has been your ability over the last four or five years to to adjust and and know when you've got to turn that switch off and turn on a different approach to fishing to survive maybe a tournament where those strengths aren't working how does that decision evolve in, in a practice period or maybe in a tournament day when you have to adjust you know and, and you realize something's not working it's kind of that age-old question of how long do you give something, right? How long do you push it? When do you decide to turn it off and, and go a different route? Can you talk a little bit about, do you have like a set time frame? Is it a situation that you see? Is it just long-term experience from fishing so many different lakes and, and knowing when to turn? What's your decision process in that? You know, that kind of leads to the fact that, you know, I try to have an area where I think I can catch a limit. You know, like, for instance, Clark's Hill, you know, okay. I'm going to try to find a place that I can catch some spots. But, you know, that also goes into practice. You know, you try to figure out your ABC in practice. You know, obviously, I'm going to go over there and try to figure out the largemouth deal. But B and C over there, you know, I'm going to go ahead and have some spotted bass stuff, offshore stuff, if I have to. 
you right. know, and, and us, you know, the invitation was going back to three days of practice this year. You know, that's more a time. huge player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more time. Yeah, absolutely. The, the last few years with us only having two days of practice, you know, I feel like that's hurt a lot of a lot of anglers for, from finding that B, C, you know, plan, backup plan to back up their A plan with. And it's hard to say when to do it in a tournament, you know, but really just reading the fish. You know, if you go out and the and the conditions are right, you know, I, I really feel like that's why I've done really well in a lot of tournaments and a lot of tournaments around the house because I'm one that's stubborn. I'm going to do it. You know, and a lot, a lot of times pre-spawn fish, you know, we always say it back home, anything you catch, you know, whenever it's cold out, but it's warming up throughout the day, anything you catch for 10 or 11 o'clock is a bonus. So you just got to keep that in the back of your mind, you know, all you need is five, you know, we're not fishing for all you can weigh, you know, all you need is five fish, all you need is 15 minutes. But, and it's kind of a double-edged sword, it's burned me a lot of times doing that, but it's helped me out more times than it has not. And so you just got to kind of know, you know, all right, I'm going to keep swinging this or, okay, my bite's not going to turn on till 10 or 11 o'clock probably. So I'm going to go fish for spotted bass until then and, and see if I can't catch me 12 pounds. That way I know if I don't catch any largemouth, I'm all right if I catch a big bag of largemouth the following day. You know, you got to look at that where you don't want to lose it the first day. You know, on day two, you can swing more for the fences after you know where you're kind of at after the first day or the second day for that matter. So you can kind of swing for the fences more as the tournament goes on where where you stick to your pattern, stick to your guns more. But day one of the tournament, you don't want to lose it then. You can't win it then, but you dang sure can lose it then. You want to try to get your what you think is going to be even if it's not your check weight even if it's not what you think it's going to take to make a check each day if you get close to it but you didn't catch the fish that you thought you could catch you know just for instance i I can't tell you how many times in florida i've gone out and the wind wind is my friend i love the wind but you go out the first day of the tournament and you got glass calm situation and you're like that guy and i can't throw a moving bait (laughs) they're not eating it so you got to back you you know you got to throw a sinker around or a trick worm around and catch you a, a limit of fish you know even if it weighs 12 14 15 pounds but then you know the following day you follow it up with 20 25 pounds you're golden and if you are stubborn and just do moving baits all day and didn't catch that the first day then you're you know you're behind the eight ball so you know you just really gotta adjust to your tournament if it's a one-day tournament you know obviously i swing for the fence in every one-day tournament i fish it's either win or lose for me you know but as far as you know multiple day tournaments and fishing for points and stuff like that you really want to know your bite window when you think your fish are going to bite if they're going to bite in the afternoon, you know, my biggest thing is, like I was saying earlier, you find a way to catch, even if it's not a limit, if you catch three or four, then you know in the back of your head, you know, the more fish you have in your live well, the calmer I get. And uh, even even if they're two pounders, for some reason or another, knowing that I have fish in the live well, knowing I'm going in the right way, you know, that helps ease my mind and helps me yeah. fish everything a lot 
slower and a lot more precise. Well, that confidence, it all goes back to, again, just really, really, I've, I've heard you say that a couple times now, and, and I, I can definitely see how that plays into what the next decision is, and decisions are so important when it comes to, you know, the sport of bass fishing over the course of multiple days. I, I certainly understand and hear you loud and clear on the one-day event, but multiple days of how you guys make your living, uh, very, very important on those decision-making processes. So I would like for you quickly before we go to the listener question segment, what is the first pattern you look for in a, a pre-spawn you know, situation and how does that lead you to your next decision? Because it's really, fishing is a lot like chess match. You know, you said you've got to figure out, are they morning, afternoon? Where do you go from there? So can you give us a, a, a breakdown of that just real quick in a pre-spawn and where you start? Yeah, you know, obviously your pre-spawn deal, you're looking for where they're going to. And so the great thing about pre-spawn a lot of the time is the fish are going to be coming to you. So, you know, that was what I was saying is the weather warms up throughout the day. They're going to be more and more pulling up. And, you know, in, in Florida – you know, you really just look for the, you know, highways that are coming to the shallow water areas, you know, the bays and stuff like that, where they're going to be, where they're going to be coming to the clear water. But as far as like around, around where I'm from, you know, you really look for the, the pockets, the first few pockets going into the back of big creeks and stuff like that, that, you know, got deeper water close by that lead to the shallower water in the backs of the pockets and stuff like that. You look for the first area they're going to pull up to. Um, and obviously the further into the spawn slash pre-spawn you get, the further you can push back into those creeks and stuff. And, uh, yeah, you just really want to try to follow the fish and follow the bite when the fish will tell you when they want to bite. You know, if you got the same conditions day after day, you know, you really can nail down when the fish are going to bite. The problem is that we, that we run into as professional anglers, you know, as well as I do, that you don't have the same weather conditions every day. You know, one day it might be blowing 25, and the next day it might be raining, and the next day it might be slick calm. So, you know, you really got to look at your weather forecast, and, and that's one thing I've learned in, in my career. You know, you really, you really want to look at the weather forecast and practice for the tournament more rather than practicing for the conditions of maybe, say, practice. You know, if the wind's going to be blowing all practice, but you don't have any wind during the tournament, well, you got to know going into that tournament that you're going to be fishing some different baits than you are in practice just because, you know, fish bite different baits than they do when it's in the wind whether, rather than when it's slick calm. And, uh, you know, that's that's one thing that, that I look at. Like, fishing pre-spawn patterns is, is really easy um, to pick up on. Um, one thing that I, I will say about fishing pre-spawn patterns is wind is your friend when it comes to pre-spawn banks. I can't tell you how many times that I've been running down the lake and I'm like, man, that pocket over there is getting wind blown in it right now. It looks good. I've never fished it. Run over there and you just, it's one of those things you run into them. And more times than not, you know, fishing off instinct whenever it's pre-spawn, whether the fish are really aggressive, is is helped me out more than it's hurt me uh, you know running around with with a free mind and, and running into you know situations like that you know you're running down the lake and you know like i said you see a pocket you see a lay down you just see something and you're like i'm gonna go over there and hit that real quick and uh and it, it works out and that's why i love love the pre-spawn bass you know they're so aggressive you know they they act like 
smallmouth do all the time <laughs> which, <laughs> which yeah, y'all know how much fun smallmouth are but Absolutely. you know aggressive largemouth are hard to beat but they get after the pre-spawn whenever they get finicky you know they get a lot more frustrating but you know as far as the pre-spawn goes they're really aggressive they're really hungry they're trying to feed up you know so you're looking for you know places where what where whatever your forage is on the lake whether it be brim whether it be shad whether it be crawfish you know and, and you, most lakes are going to have all of those so you know if you're around the forage if you're around if you and when and if you're around the forage and then you mix your forage and where you think the bass are going and these short pockets and stuff first and then as the spawn moves on further back then you're going to run into them sooner or later whether it be your first couple pockets you run into or you got to figure out which ones they want to go to the most and uh historically largemouth like to spawn in similar areas every year so that's why you see a lot of these fishermen you know a, a lot of these local anglers you know they do well in tournaments the same year after year after year uh, same times of the year just because they've been there their whole life so they know where the they know where the big females like to pull up at they know their bus stops coming up to everything and they're just sitting there waiting on the bus whenever they come so it's it's one of those things where once you figure it out you know, you can kind of run patterns like that throughout the whole country just because, you know, you're kind of used to where they're going to be pulling up at. And once you get that eye for whatever whatever lake we're at that they're going to be pulling up on, then then you're good and you can kind of run run that pattern. Very cool, man. Great way to break that down. I like the way that you, you, know, you just kind of put that strategy together and, and stick with it. But yet at the same time, you know, like you said, being able to be free and fall into some of those fish that are moving up this time of year that are so aggressive. We're going to we're going to go into our Nitro Performance Bass Boats listener question. Josh, this episode, we had a question sent in from Doug Lesman out of Michigan. Doug asked this. I'd love to know what systems the pros have for waypoint management, such as naming points, symbols they use and how to identify or how they identify high priority waypoints. So, I mean, I really don't like to make a whole lot of waypoints. And at the end of the year, I go through and delete a lot of waypoints because, shoot, I, I can't even tell you how many thousands of waypoints I have in my graph. But, you know, Lawrence makes it so easy with waypoints. They've got the quick keys on the on the screen. And so I, I like to have me, I believe I got three or four different coded waypoints and it all varies um depending on the lake and depending on what other waypoints I already have on the lake um but one thing that i do love doing is i have two different grass waypoints so i have a, a short it's, it's a short grass and then a tall grass on Lorant. and uh i mark a lot of grass the short grass tells me that you know there's the grass is not topped out, but there's grass there. The tall grass mm -hmm. tells me that there's there's uh, vegetation above the surface. So, you know, whether that be a mat, whether that be bank grass, it tells me stuff like that. And then, you know, I love to put a heart on, on spawning bass. That tells me if one's spawning or not. And then uh, I normally put flags throughout practice on my bites I've had. So that tells me, you know, okay, I can zoom out on my off day of practice and tell me, you know where all my bites were so then i can kind of like okay and this i will say this this has been, been a bit big thing for me in three days of practice on a lake as big as clark's hill you know i'm definitely not going to be able to fish the whole lake even with three full days of practice but what i can do is after my practice i can zoom out 
see what bites I had and see, you know, the, the contour of the pockets and everything. And I can look around the lake. And what I like to do is if I see something that looks similar to it that I haven't fished, I'll go to that pocket, that bank, whatever it might be. And I'll put a question mark on it. And whenever I see a question mark, I know that I haven't fished there, but it looked good on everything else. Everything told me that that looked good. I just haven't fished there yet. And as soon as I go there and fish it, if I catch them on it, I'll put a waypoint on it. If I don't, I take the question mark down. So that way I know that I fished it. So I don't ever leave a question mark up. So I have a few different different little waypoints that I use. Obviously I have, you know, certain places that I put, you know, start and stop, stop signs on stuff. Um, but you know, I kind of keep it plain and simple, but I, I will say that that little deal with whenever I put the flags is my bite. And then, you know, on the, on my off day, be able to zoom out and study the map a little bit and try to figure out a couple other places. If you catch a big bag to try to expand your area so you're not burning up your fish or if you, you know, fish it out and you need it for day three or day four for that matter. That's been a big key for me in in waypoint management. That's great stuff. And I I really appreciate the, uh, you know, the flags with the bites and then the question mark. Very, very uh, perceptive of being able to come back or on the fly being able to call an audible whether, whether it's tournament day um, to be able to go check something out and, and follow that up. So certainly uh, Josh, appreciate you answering Doug's question. Doug, as always, we need one more thing from you, and that is to please log on to BassEdge.com, fill out the Claim Your Prize tab, and we will get the Bass Edge gift sent directly to your doorstep. And as always, a reminder to the listeners, send in those questions to the show through the website, BassEdge.com. Simply click the Ask the Pros tabs or find one of those posts on Facebook or Instagram where we ask you to send in those questions in the comments section. If you hear your question on the show, you're going to win that prize pack right here from Bass Edge Radio. Well, Josh, as always, great to uh, have you on the show. I know we're going to fly right under the deadline of, of getting you to your quail hunt today, so hopefully you have fun there. But as we shut down, any closing thoughts or remarks for Bass Edge Nation? No, you know, I just appreciate the uh, opportunity to come on. I appreciate all the support. You know, y'all guys go out and support the companies that support us anglers. You know, I've got some amazing sponsors that have stuck with me a long time. Favorite Rods and Reels, Guggen Baits, Phoenix Boats, Power Pole, Mercury, Central Georgia Marina. You know, the list goes on and on. We can't do it without these guys supporting us. You know, not we don't win $115,000 every tournament. You know, <laughs> with, without the support of the people who support the industry, you know, we couldn't be out here. So y'all go support the people who support us and uh yeah hopefully uh hopefully i'll be getting back on here soon and we'll be recapping another win yeah man that'd be awesome josh best of luck the rest of the way hope you continue doing georgia proud there clarks hill coming up next stop on the mlf invitationals everyone hang in with us aaron and i is going to come right back with some closing highlights of today's episode know the importance of protecting your investments so why use anything else other than the original and toughest diy keel protector for your boat mega wear keel guard grinding sand abrasive rocks and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology mega wear keel guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour providing the longest lasting most dependable keel protection for your boat guaranteed for life 
developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWear Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWear Keel Guard. The PowerPole Charge Marine Power Management Station is the most advanced system of its kind available on the market. It does the work of three devices, a traditional battery charger, a charge on the run, and an emergency start system all in one compact unit. The charge lets you run your boat's accessories the way you want to run them by allowing you to monitor and control your power usage through the PowerPole app. It automatically devotes power to the batteries that need it the most for maximum efficiency. The new charge from PowerPole Power where you need it, power how you need it, power when you need it. Kurt, always great to hear from a uh, first-time guest on Bass Edge Radio, and that's certainly with Josh Weaver. Did a very good job. Just a, a couple things to throw out. You know, he spoke a lot about following conditions, kind of selecting that right bait for the conditions. I think one of the things he mentioned, you know, with regards to, like, setting a question mark and then noticing that maybe wind was blowing on one of those places uh, that he maybe didn't practice in but would go in there and uh, kind of check that out, and lo and behold, you know, he could actually – get on them. Yeah, clear that in this pre-spawn behavioral pattern, which which we're approaching here in, in a lot of the Southeast, you know, this March 1st episode is keeping an open mind. Things change frequently. But I also liked how he mentioned that he starts in those first short pockets of every, you know, major artery of the lake, right? So he's looking for those fish because he's a shallow power guy, you know, that are coming up first from those wintertime haunts, either the heavy or the deeper creek channels in the major tributaries or the main river channels and ledges and places where they're wintering. So so he's looking for those places that where they jump up first and then kind of following them back as as the uh pre-spawn season progresses but uh keyed up on the exact same thing you did aaron with his ability to be free i think with his fishing identify similar areas where he got bites in practice but not necessarily meaning you have to just stick to those areas understand conditions understand what makes some fish more vulnerable if the wind might change direction it might be the other side of the lake than where you practice if the wind turned you know or, or changed changed focus we actually uh heard that chris lane just won the bass pro tour out on lake Kissimmee, and he talked about the same thing wind changing every day and he just followed those conditions and that's kind of the key in that pre-spawn time frame find those fish that are moving up that you can capitalize on when the conditions are right it really is because the conditions are so dynamic those fish are on the move, right? And like you said, we're, we're looking for high percentages. Does not mean that there's not fish there. It's how many fish can we get to react to what it is that we're offering when we're offering it? And all of that has to do with conditions and decisions. And certainly that was kind of the the gist of, of the interview uh, there with Josh. But Kurt, what a uh, another good episode. Can't wait for episode 396. That is going to be one as well as we close down March that we don't want to miss. And uh, any any closing thoughts before we kind of shut down? Another thing real quickly in in the interview process with Josh dude oozing with confidence man and that's what the wind does that's what happens when you get on these rolls and and you win in an event and uh, he's been doing well for the last several years several top tens and when you have that confidence that feeling that no matter what it is i'm gonna go figure it out and dude that is so powerful talked about jay mcnamara's book a little bit ago psychology of 
exceptional fish, just the psychology of fishing in general and how important that mental aspect is. So uh, hats off to Josh. It's going to be fun to see if he can roll that train into the Clarks Hill event and then the Ufala event. So it'll be no fun doubt. to watch. No doubt. Lots going on. And certainly, uh, by all means, if you don't have that book yet, I can't believe that any Bass Edge listener does not as much as we've talked about it. Certainly that can be found, both the revised and the original edition right there on BassEdge.com. For all things Bass Edge, be sure to stay tuned on social media, man been rocking it whoever's in charge of that obviously it is not me i know nothing <laughs> about social media so uh no great job there and kurt can't wait to hang with you again on march 15th for kurt dove and the rest of the message i am aaron mark so long everybody is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Midway USA, Mercury Marine, Power Pole, and Transport Graphics.